0: Welcome to the second episode of the second season of You'll Think of Something. Just so you remember what
1: we're doing, we are a podcast that provides a space for focused discussion on how to be a productive, creative person on a team, in your own personal work,
0: uh, and in your life. I'm Allie Perkins. I'm a longtime talent professional with loads of experience in facilitation, training design, and program management.
1: And I'm Kara or Apollo. Uh, I'm an animation executive who specializes in training and artistic development uh, with a splash and love of production management <laughs> and the creative process thrown in there.
0: We talk about a lot of different things on this podcast. And we are excited today uh, to bring you an entire episode on communication because it is something that Kara and I. Absolutely value and could probably talk about for a long, long time, which is like super meta, right? Like, I know, I know, you're right. Communication on communication.
1: <laughs> um, Allie and I've been talking for an hour before recording this podcast, and we were basically talking about forms of communication.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's, like it's all we talk about, <laughs> it really is. Now we've got to start the show. And today our topic is directional communication, but Kara, and this is this is like a legit question that I asked Kara. I said, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> I know.
1: All right, I know it sounds like some floofy term. Um, I use directional communication in my workshops um, as a term to talk about um, a specific way of communicating. So, directional communication is the concept of tailoring your message to the recipient, really thinking about who it is you are speaking to and what they care about. And I know that it's like, yeah, of course, but, but actually, no, um, we spend a lot of time communicating based on um, our needs and our feelings and what makes sense to us personally, um, instead of pausing and thinking about how uh, this information is going to hit other people's ears. So I, I just I think we are at our best as communicators when we can assess where the other person is coming from. Honestly, all of this goes back to um, my core management philosophy, which comes from my mother. Unpack <laughs> um, that a- in therapy. <laughs> and therapy um, my, my mom when I was a kid and I would be upset about things um, whether it's like something that somebody said to me something a teacher said something a friend said when email came actually came about sometime in my middle school or high school years things I received over email my mom would say everyone is thinking about themselves just like you are and I want you to think about that for a minute everyone is thinking about themselves just like you are and when you can remember this, when we can keep this in our heads, it helps to really deflate any sort of situation that you might be having with another person, right? Because everybody's just thinking about their own shit all the time.
0: It's so true. And one of the first times I ever saw this piece of advice was actually on the side of a coffee mug. <laughs> and it, this was, it was still attributed to Kara's mom. <laughs> um, but uh, I had never thought about it quite in this way. And you're absolutely right. We all operate within our own minds, within our own yep. environments, within the, the way in which our day has unfolded yes. even. Yes,
1: absolutely. And so when we're getting that cranky email from a coworker or when we're in a meeting with someone and we feel like somebody is like, you know, given us that look of, of, of death. Um, We have to remember that we are interpreting it that way because of how we're feeling in this moment, not necessarily because of how they are trying to
0: communicate with us. Right? Right. Right. One of the things that I was hoping you would clarify for us, Kara, since you're kind of the expert on this, is how does directional communication differ from the concepts of like managing up or managing down?
1: Yes. Very good question. So um, I think it's more than that. Really the three questions you need to ask yourself whenever you're communicating with anyone in a professional workspace, like no matter how they relate to you is who am I communicating with? What do they care
0: about? And
1: frankly, how can I use this to my advantage?
0: I love those three succinct questions. So can you tell me a little bit more about why those three questions?
1: Sometimes we get stuck in this whole like managing up and managing down rut. Um, and uh, when we're in work situations um, and business situations, because this, this can apply to small businesses um, or even um, you know, group and club situations. Um, we are uh, communicating in all directions, right? We're communicating with our peers. We're communicating to those that we have dotted lines to. We're communicating to people who are um, our bosses. We're communicating to our bosses' bosses, to the people who report to us, um, or to people just that are within like the the realm that have nothing to do with us, you know, directly. Um, and yet, of course, we still care about how we communicate with them. Um, So I think it's really important that the first question that we ask ourselves is, who are you actually communicating with? What do we need to consider about about this person? What is their level in the hierarchy, including compared to you? Who are they as people? That's
0: so important because everyone has a different style. Everyone has... Um, a different way of communicating and preferences yes, in how they absorb information. Yes. Uh, and I mean, the more informed you are about that first, I guess, the more informed you are about who you're communicating with, the better you are able to tailor that message. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, and and you're, I'm so glad you brought up preferences because that's a big one that I talk about. For example, I've worked with a bunch of different types of producers, and I had one producer who only wanted to receive um, information over her phone. She wanted to text all the time. Our our communication was all through text. Um, and then I had another producer who was like, only text me if it's an emergency, right? Like everything should be in email so that we have like a regulated chat, Right. Um, I'm not saying one is right or wrong. I'm just saying that these are personal preferences. And if I had assumed walking into the situation that one had preferred one or the, over the other, I would have instantly been annoying that person, right? Because I would have potentially chosen like the wrong form of communication, like such a basic tiny piece of communication. Um, but it's really important, right?
0: even though, you know, you may be communicating with two different people that are on the same level, um, even though they occupy the same position or even the same responsibilities, they may not have the same preferences, which I think is a great, um, you know, that's a great connection to your example.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, And also you might not have the same relationship with them, right? So I think the That's next right. question, sub-question within mm-hmm. the who are you communicating with is what is your relationship to this person? Do you have the kind of relationship that during the meeting you can text them and say, this is going off the rails? Or is this the kind of situation in which afterwards you're going to have to regroup with this person and say, let's talk about how that went um, and have a more formalized discussion, right? It all depends on your... um level of intimacy with this person, um, and perhaps your relationship, um, both within the workspace and outside of the workspace. Absolutely. And, 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 and the last thing to think about in the, who you are communicating with is what's the environment like, um, with the person that you're communicating with. Um, and what that means is like, um, what's the schedule? Um, so for example, uh, Argue you in back-to-back meetings like all day long and you're like, when am I going to get a chance to even talk to this person one-on-one? Um, are we in a virtual situation, right? So many people are still going to be that way for a long time. Um, I mean, even beyond, you know, post-pandemic. Um, and if it's virtual, how I can't catch this person's eye in the meeting. I can't send them um, a text and then like, have them look at me and we're like, yes, that's the thing we should do to move forward on, right? Um, so how do I make sure that I create, how, how do I recreate a hallway conversation, even though I can't have one in this virtual setting? So um, who are you communicating with? Mm-hmm. What do they care about? What are their goals? What are their motivations? And, and this doesn't just mean like, what is their like overarching life goal? It could be, it could be like (laughs) long-term this person wants to be like executive vice president of the company or whatnot. And I have to keep that in mind. That's right.
0: Yes, absolutely. Especially in the way that you treat them with your communications.
1: Right. Um, But it could also be something as simple as like um, they are looking for a win in their department this week. Yeah. Or they, right? Or they're looking. They're looking towards the fact that, like, you know, um, I'm going to enter corporate speak here because I, I don't even really know all this stuff. But like, <laughs> let let's say like the quarterly earnings report is coming out, and they're thinking. I, I say that like I know things, um, and they're <laughs> thinking about like what that what that's going to look like to their bosses, right? And yeah. so they're thinking about their perception and how it's wrapped up in like that big call that's about to happen.
0: I'm still laughing, um, about your quarterly earnings report. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Um, but you do know things. Um, and it it is, it's just, it's just lingo, but yeah, it's, what is their ultimate goal? Is it business? You know, how is it tied to the business? How is it tied to their performance? And, Mm -hmm. um, and where is their focus? Right now. Where's their focus?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are their motivations? Um, and, and, and this is of course where the, the, the lines start to meld as well too, but like, um, are their motivations personal or professional? So Gosh, who are yeah. they as people? Are they, um, married or involved with somebody else in the company? Um, is that going to maybe change the way that they view information that's being put in front of them? Um, are they experiencing, um, you know, something at home that they're going to be bringing to the table in this situation, right? Like, I mean, all of this stuff is going to play into, and of course we don't always know all of this information. I was just
0: about to say, I think that that is, um, such a gray area because we don't know that whole picture, Mm -hmm. Um, we also don't know what their past experiences might be, um, or might have been, um, you know, before we got to that company or before we started that working relationship. And, and also, um, we may think we know what they care about and there might be things that we don't know too. Yeah, I, that's, such a good,
1: that's such a good point, Allie. I think a great example of that is one time I had um, a coordinator um, that was had, had a lot going on at home, and I was assuming that she wanted to do less at work. And so I was taking things off of her plate to make her life easier. And in actuality, she was hoping to really throw herself into work Right. So that it could help to distract her from the stuff that she had going on at home. And my assumption um, actually led to her performance taking a dip because she thought that I didn't trust her when in actuality <laughs> I was trying to be a good manager and lift things off her plate. Right. So her goals and motivations, um, I, I made assumptions about
0: those that led to a rocky month for both of both of us. But, and this is, I think, at the heart of directional communication, right? This is something or a situation that really could have been rectified or avoided by having a better understanding of what that person cared about and what their uh, motivations were and kind of what their end goal was. Yes. Totally. Like having an open
1: relationship with someone basically takes care of like all of these questions, right? Because you can say, what's important to you right now? How can I help you? What do you need? But I mean, the trouble is like, yes, we all want that. But even in the best of circumstances, like we tend to F that up.
0: (laughs) <laughs> and you know what? We F that up with people we really care about in our mm-hmm. personal lives all the time, our friends, mm-hmm. our family, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So then, like, it's only natural that we do, you know, encounter that with the people that we work with. Yeah, of well, course. Right. Well, they're not immune to that. Right. So figuring out what they
1: care about is important, um, but part of that is understanding that you shouldn't make assumptions. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. You should try to figure out what they care about by having like a real relationship with a person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, And, and that's, you know, and I think that that's my goal with everyone that I work with just because I truly believe that if you care about somebody as a person, you are going to create a better work product because of that commitment. Um, And so, yeah, I think that this is a really relevant topic for making sure that that sincerity um, kind of runs through all of it, right? Runs through right. any communication that you have with them, any goals that you have with them, and just trying to make sure that that you extend that respect in the interactions that you have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and frankly, I think it, it's more about, like, I mean, it's 100% about sincerity. Yes. Um, you're right. Um, I think um, when I say, what do they care about? It's more about recognizing like, okay, um, for, for example, in my line of work, this visual effects supervisor came from the character effects department and he is always going to have a special relationship with character effects um, and just know yes. that that means he's either going to give them extra scrutiny or extra love and how does that play out and don't take whatever's happening then with your tangential department personally because this person is always going to have a special relationship with that other department or person or et cetera.
0: Gosh, it's so real. That's so (laughs) real Um, because in really good organizations that move people around and share talent, You're going to run into this where people have experience, have connections, have relationships in other areas of the company organization or team, Uh, you know, whatever level you're working on. And so you have to take those things into consideration because most people, they don't just forget. And if you're working in an environment that is healthy and supportive, you're going to continue to support the people that you've worked with over time. And so, you know, you have to take those things into consideration. And it's a good thing when you can look at the situation holistically like that it's never a bad thing it really isn't you're just taking in all the information that you can all the data that you can in order to make better decisions and to come up with a better approach right and I think this is true
1: even for for example in small businesses um, there becomes like a community relationships right so for example if you're a small business and you're working within a smaller community um, then it's also about figuring out Who are my, uh, community members that I work with, um, what other community members like other small businesses are already partnering together or have partnered together in the past, um, who like what events within the community are supportive of these sorts of like services that i offer right and so how can we align our goals or our motivations together Um, and an example of this you know uh, as i've talked about in season one my husband has a small business dfw scavenger hunt And uh, it's been really neat to watch him form alliances with other companies and other uh, events um, to be able to um, create uh, larger um, uh, products or events that are great for both companies or that are great for the community and for the small businesses. So I think when we're thinking about what do they care about, it's also about how do I align my goals with other people in this community? in this arena so that we can all get somewhere together.
0: DFW, scavengerhunt.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: So last but not least, the last question, how can I use this to my
0: advantage? So we're not talking about taking advantage of people. We're talking about how in the scheme of interpersonal relationships, how can this interaction be beneficial to you and the other person? So what's happening there that's moving the relationship forward, the project forward, the goal? What 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 is getting you closer to your goal? So what kind of value are you both getting out of this interaction? And right. so one of the things that... Um, I think about a lot when we're talking about um, value out of interactions and what kind of impact uh, communication has, is the emotional bank account. So, this is kind of a tried and true concept. I think it's Franklin Covey, emotional bank account. And the concept is that when you have a positive interaction with somebody, so this can be a shared laugh. This can be an investment in their um, time or well-being. This could be a successful project uh, or a successful instance of collaboration. When you have that, you are making a deposit into the emotional bank account. Now, when you have a negative Interaction uh, when you offend somebody, or when you don't have a good outcome in a collaboration experience, or when you struggle with somebody, then you are crediting the emotional bank account.
1: Another, if we're going to talk about uh, metaphors here, and what else do we want to talk about other than metaphors? Um, <laughs> Another person who has a great, uh, a more personal version of this is, of course, Brene Brown um, on Super Soul Sunday, and we can we'll put the clip in our show notes um, with Oprah. Is it for real?
0: Called Super Soul Sunday.
1: Yeah, for real. (laughs) (laughs) So Brene Brene Brown, um, and she also talks about this in her books. um, About by the the way, Kara
0: is like the biggest Brene Brown fangirl. (laughs)
1: I know. It's ridiculous. I'm so sorry, everybody. I talk about her like 17 times So day. like I'm
0: being sarcastic and like I'm rolling my eyes a little bit at Kara, but like it's it's very endearing. Like she okay. she hearts Brene Brown big time. I know. Someday I'm going to meet Brene Brown and it's going to be great.
1: <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so one of the things she talks about is the concept of the marble jar for trust. mm. Same idea. Right. That uh, that basically um, trust and emotions um, and 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 love or affection or respect for another person are gained in small doses. We do not put in these large deposits by, you know, certainly when you complete a project together, you're like, that's great. We did this thing and we feel good about it. But the trust isn't earned in that moment. It's earned in these incremental moments throughout the course of the project along the way
0: along the way, did you deliver when you said that you were going to deliver? Did you ask me if I'd had breakfast? And then when I said no, did you bring me a croissant and some coffee? Did you, um, you know, did you take accountability for something that you did incorrectly or that you have a responsibility for? I mean, it's all those little interactions, again, that make the deposits. And the thing is, is that it's a lot, harder to make deposits than it is to withdraw. Yeah, and and the withdrawals happen
1: um
0: when they happen it's usually in like much larger quantities. Absolutely. That that's exactly right. And um the impact is so much greater and you won't necessarily know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then it rears its head later. You're so right. And and that's the thing. It's like you can bring donuts to the office and everyone knows you made a deposit. But when you have offended somebody or when you have hurt somebody's feelings, unless they come out and tell you right in that moment, you may not know.
1: Yeah. So true. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're so right. So um, how does this relate to communication? It's basically... How can I use what this person cares about and who this person is to my advantage without being a dick, right? Like, So (laughs) basically it's like while our our bigger goals may not align, there may be smaller short-term goals that we can align on. Or if I really think about it, I can think about how my goal might be able to further their goal, and I can show that to
0: them, and therefore we can all win as we move forward, right? I think about this all the time, and one of the things that I think about when I talk to my leadership and I am trying to further my own um, goals in terms of what my initiatives are and what my success looks like is Thinking about it within their framework, what is, what are their challenges looking like at that particular mm-hmm. point in time mm-hmm. and what are they struggling with and what would they like to see happen yes. within their, their goals? And so I think about this a lot when I am pushing my initiatives because I want to be able to frame my work in a way that will convince them and assure them that the work that I am doing in conjunction with their businesses is going to result in ultimately what they want to see, a product that they want to see. Yes.
1: Yes, yes, I love that, and it's true for uh, all "quote unquote" levels. Like, no matter who you're working with, if you're a small business and you're working with a supplier, then it's like, how can we both together work so that you get more business from me, supplier, but that I also get the shit that I need, and it's on time, and it's you know faster, blah 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 blah, and. If it's in like the managing up situation, then it's like, okay, what do they care about? And how do I wrap my initiative in something that matters to them? If it's trying to uh, inspire or motivate somebody who reports to you, then it's sitting down and saying, what's important to them? They're looking to get promoted. Then they need this type of experience. By doing this, they are going to gain that experience. You know, so it's about wrapping this piece of information or this task in a way that looks appealing to them. And I think the thing that's important here is that it's not just looks appealing, but it genuinely does help to further their career as well.
0: I was just about to say you can't wrap it in that wrapping paper without the gift inside. Because we know (laughs) we've all had that happen to us for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I have had... Um, opportunities, projects um, wrapped in that, like, this will be good for you wrapping paper. And right. then I open it up and I'm like, dude, this is coal. Right. You did not yeah. tell me I was getting coal. Right. Exactly. And not a promotion. <laughs>
1: oh, ex- oh my gosh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I've been handed so many false promotions in my life that's yeah. like, you're just trying to give me more responsibility. This That's, isn't a real promotion.
0: That is exactly right. That's exactly right. And, uh, and so, yeah. So when you're thinking about what this person's motivations are, it is, I think, going back to sincerity and mm-hmm. understanding that um, if you trick somebody <laughs> or if you cannot deliver on what you promised, then you are going to take big credit.
1: Yeah, you're losing all the marbles.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, So again, um, directional communication is about um, looking at the people that are around you that you need to communicate with um, and asking yourself the questions of who am I communicating with here? What do they care about? And how can I use this to my advantage and to their advantage?
0: So... Actually, this just happened to me at work. and Do tell, do tell. And um, it was very timely because, you know, I'm newer in my role. I haven't even been at uh, my company for a year. And so I'm still learning the different nuances of the needs of different organizations, as well as the personalities and preferences of the leaders that I engage with on a regular basis. And if
1: we can pause here and just say that, like literally you to go back to your metaphor, like you have not had that much time
0: to make that many deposits at this point. No, I've barely opened the accounts. Yes, exactly. Okay. So knowing that um, I have had a series of presentations that I've had to give, and there's a total of 14 leaders that I have to meet with um, in my job to uh, to present my initiatives and to get their buy in, and I have to take into account everything that Kara has been talking about. And at first, what I did at the start of the kind of round of presentations that I was making was I relied on my past experience with executives and what I thought I knew about what they wanted to see and hear. And that was uh, mostly just very high-level, well-defined objectives, uh, not too in the weeds. I just want to give them the big-picture overview, bird's-eye view. Bird's-eye view. Mm -hmm. And then, as I started to go through these meetings... I sensed that I wasn't quite hitting the mark. Mm. And then I sent my presentations to my leaders and I also sensed that I wasn't quite hitting the mark. So what I started to do was really pay attention to the questions that I was getting asked by those leaders and realizing that I needed to fill in some gaps that weren't necessarily aligned with my perception of what a quote-unquote executive would need or want to hear in a presentation. Ah. And I think that what hit home for me, especially as you and I were talking about directional communication and what do people care about, is that right now my leaders are really thinking about their team members' workload. Uh-huh. They're, they're really concerned about the work-life balance. They're really concerned about the bandwidth of their leaders um, and their you know, leaders and by leaders, I mean managers. They're really concerned about retention. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I hadn't addressed either of those things. Right. In my presentation, I just given them a super high overview because I thought that was all that they needed to know and all they had time for. I was projecting my own perception onto the material that I was producing. And of course it wasn't hitting home. And so what I did instead of um, giving that High-level overview, which which I did. Still, I mean, I still included that content, but I also included a breakdown of the workload hour by hour. Oh. of what this initiative would require from mm. both their leaders and from uh, those direct reports. So, from two different perspectives.
1: Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is like the perfect example, Ellie. <laughs> Because like, I mean, but you're really having to dig into, this is a great example of what do they care about? Because it's, it's, it's also like, what do they care about in this moment? Yes. Like what is on their minds right now? Because six months later, it could be cost. It could be, right? Like these, it could be like resources. It could be other things. But right now it's work-life balance because of where we're at right now.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and the the second part of it, so the there's that work-life balance bandwidth part, but um, also, I mean, we are picking up from kind of the lost year, right? So there, right. there's work that didn't get done in 2020 because the focus shifted so drastically. And now, you know, so there's that work-life balance part, but, and now there's also the retention part because our work environment has changed so drastically as well, and yeah. so how do we make ourselves an, an attractive organization to be at and grow at? Right. And so my work is very much centered around that. And so if I can make those connections for my leadership, I am in a good place. Right. And for you and for them, like everyone wins, everyone wins. and, all of it comes down to directional communication being the key to communicating value.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. I like that. Communicating value. That's great.
0: Mhm. Because That's awesome. because if if we are spending our time on something that does not give us value, then it is going to fall down on the priority list. And as long as, and as soon as we can communicate value, then we are better able to get our message across and to get the buy-in that we require. So I feel like my examples have been very much uh, from the angle of the corporate space, Mm -hmm. but I was wondering, Kara, do you have any examples that are more geared towards uh, the creative space?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, I think
1: uh, so much of creative management is about tailoring your message to the recipient because you're really working with so many different types of people, right? At one moment, I'm talking to an artist who has a very tunnel vision view of what it is that they're working on. And then in the next moment, I'm talking to an executive who's thinking about like strategy for the entire studio. Right. Um, so I think it's all about tailoring your message. Um, So an example, I I need to explain the schedule to my artists. My artists don't want to look at my Excel spreadsheets, even though they are so beautiful. Um, They don't want to look at Shotgun. They don't want to look at um, my project management programs, right? So how do I visualize this for them? And how can I make it uh, part of our weekly meeting that we can walk through their tasks and priorities? I think that's an example, right? How do I create something for them that they can see? Um, Or uh, what often comes up in a creative space is, especially in animation, I have to discuss inventory with my producers. What does that mean? It means, for example, um, like in animation, um, if I have uh, 20 animators on my team, Each of those animators needs to have shots on their desk that they can work on, right? And they can only work on those shots once they've gotten the green light from production that this shot is ready to be worked on, right? And that is considered inventory. And so for me, if I need to be saying to the producers, like, you need to lock your story because you need to get me shots, right? Um, but what's, what happens when you have those kinds of conversations with people is that they can get into the weeds, right? Like, yeah. well, why don't you focus more on this one specific shot? And you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so <laughs> then it becomes a question of how can I do a roll up of information, right? Like, how do I do big picture to ensure my message is getting across and they have all the facts, but they don't start drilling down into these things that I don't want them to look at.
0: Oh, my gosh. that That is... Like right, That resonates
1: across anything, right? It
0: really does. And sometimes I don't want them to get into those little details because I haven't figured it all out yet. Right, exactly. And I don't need you asking me questions at this point. Right. Like I will figure it out. I just haven't gotten there. So like right. give me a moment. So how do I tee this up so that what I'm giving you is enough for you to be satiated and right. not need to know more everything exactly <laughs> that i don't know yet yes. oh, my oh my gosh, gosh that's yes. so true
1: so um but those are kind of animation specific so let me give another example that i think is just more like any person in any role is when i write this down it sounds awkward like i can't figure out how to put this in an email to this other person. So what do I have to do? I either have to wait until we have our next scheduled meeting in person. I need to pick up the phone or I need to schedule a phone call with this person. Like I need to have a human experience because every time I write this down, I sound like a jerk or the tone
0: doesn't come off correct. Right. Yeah. Just something even as basic as that. And sometimes when I do run into that situation, I... Think about how I might put it into bullets. Mm, I like that, and I like I like that because <laughs> um, I respond well to lists, and that is a preference. But also, when you are breaking down your goal in a way that you can describe it line by line, it's also easier for people in general to process. Mm -hmm. So when something is challenging you because you're writing it down and it ends up being like three paragraphs and it's all run on sentences, you might think about how you can go ahead and synthesize that information Mm -hmm. so that it, it is just in general easier to process for the person that you're sending it to.
1: Such a good point. I mean, that's what I always say, like on emails, help me help you. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Give me those bullet points. But also if it's like the situation that you're like, I'm writing this down and like, like this isn't right because the vibe's not right. Call the person, (laughs) talk to the person and then send the bullet points. Yeah. Right. Because then it's like, now that we've talked about it, you can read between the lines of what it is I'm trying to say here.
0: Absolutely. I love those follow up emails. It means that I don't have to rely on my notes which can often mm-hmm. have a lot of holes in them because I'm mm-hmm. listening to you intently yeah. and so sometimes I will get so into the conversation that I do not write down all of those little details so I really like the idea of saying like I'm going to call you have this interaction and get this across to you in conversation but I'm also going to follow up that conversation with these notes just as a good reminder and support for what we talked about right oh I like so, that. Good. so good I know. Um, Okay. So
1: a couple more specific instances of directional communication that I want to discuss with you. One is how does this relate to social media?
0: Ooh. Well, directional communication, I feel like has such a place when we think about influencers and their demographics. Yes. And you can see this and hear it in voice. And what I mean by voice is, if any of you guys follow um, a fitness influencer, Mm -hmm. for example, their voice and the language that they use can be ascribed to them, basically, right? Right. Like, it's kind of a, I'm not going to say generic, but there are consistencies across the words, phrases, and concepts used... Um, For fitness influencers, Um, if you follow style influencers, you are going to see that same kind of consistency um, across their verbiage and, and or their messaging. And so, you know, directional communication does have its place in everyday life. And I see it all the time in social media because these individuals have really uh, figured out who they're talking to, what they want, and how to deliver it. Right. And they have like,
1: so they're like, we know what these people care about. We know, like to your point, the words that they already know, like there's like some some base information there that they don't have to worry about covering. Yeah, you're so right. I know we have to like, whenever we're talking about social media, we have to like take it with a grain of salt and be like, There's lots of crazy stuff out there. But you're right that we can sit down and um, celebrate or um, respect people, especially small businesses, especially those good influencers when they're out there um, doing the work and like really communicating well because they figured out who their target audience is.
0: Yep. Uh, Yes. And uh, some of it can come across as trite, but others... um, have really honed that voice and it is probably those influencers where their voice on social media is um, very much aligned with their own voice in, in real life. Right. And, and that's, that's what comes across again with sincerity and um, charisma and what speaks to, to large numbers of people. Yeah. And authenticity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, It's hard to manufacture that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, One thing that I've uh, just in the last year or two come to realize is that when you are a small business, you are always pitching yourself. Right. Like you're always trying to explain yourself. Um, You're always trying to sell, you know, your product to this other person in a way that's not hokey. That's not gross. That's like, listen, this is who I am and this is what I do. Right. Yeah. And so this is something that Brandon and I talk about a lot, like, um, is that that pitch can't just be this canned pitch. Right. You have to think about what the other person needs to hear in order to buy your product or your service or whatever it needs
0: to be. Right. You have to hit those notes for yeah. them.
1: Yeah, and it's it's tricky because um, you can come in thinking they need to hear this and then you're in the middle of the pitch to your point, what you were saying earlier, and you're like, oh, wait, no, what you care about is X. Now I have to reorient mid-pitch to make sure that I'm getting to this space that you care about, right?
0: Absolutely. And I feel like I develop a lot of my material and content with a certain perspective in mind. And so when I learn mid-presentation or I learn mid-conversation that their concerns are actually X when I have prepared Y, the pivot um, can be something I struggle with um, yeah. because I want to keep going with my message because I thought that that was right. right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it absolutely makes sense that uh, the... That even though it can be challenging to have to reorient, it's worth it. It absolutely is.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that people appreciate it, right? Like I was in a meeting with a studio recently and I was doing my spiel and it wasn't really resonating. So I stopped and I asked, I said, wait, so like, what do you guys need? What do you guys care about? And they said some words and I was like, I get it now.
0: (laughs) But you know, that's a, that's also a a facilitation tactic. Yeah. Um, When I was in a class and I could see eyes glaze over in the audience. Right. I would just stop and yeah. say, you know, we've been going for an hour. You guys seem to really engage with this topic. But now that I'm talking about XYZ, I don't see any recognition. Or is there right. something there that you're not telling me or that I don't know? Like, what do you guys right. want to talk about? Oh, and opening up that conversation can bring to the surface. So much so that you have more information to be able to move the conversation, the dialogue, the training, the negotiation in such a way that again brings value to both yourself and the other party. So, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that you just brought up the impact that can just stop that just stopping and reassessing can have on the interaction i
1: wonder if that's like a sub question then right because hopefully you've gotten it right what do they care about sure. at the beginning yeah but but if you haven't it's the sub sub question of like um i don't know if it's like can i pivot or how can i reassess to ensure that I've 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 hit this mark right
0: the sub sub question
1: the sub, sub, sub question, right? <laughs> like, but I think that pivoting is really important. One time I was in the middle of a workshop. It was in uh, in in Canada, um, in Montreal. And I was, I was working with a team. And it was like this is, a, their studio had hired me to, you know, speak to them about a number of topics. And I could tell they didn't care about them at all. And so <laughs> to your point, Allie, in the middle, I stopped and was like, okay, clearly this is not resonating with you. Is it because, like, most of you speak French and you're like, we don't know what she's saying? Or is it because you don't care about the subject matter? Um, And it was a mix. It was like, well, first of all, yes, we're struggling with this. So some more visuals would be nice, which was really important for me to hear.
0: and something that you can address.
1: Yes, something that I can address. And then secondly, they were like, our studio thinks we need to hear this but what we really need to hear is we need to like talk about how do we how do we work with this type of personality because their director was a really difficult personality and so then like i was like okay let's take a 10 minute bathroom break and i will pull some stuff together and then i pulled together some other you know content that i had prepared for other studios and we did something like totally on the fly that was much more meaningful and valuable to them than if we had just sat through the prepared crap that their studio thought that they needed.
0: I think that you could do that because you are a seasoned professional with the experience that it takes to pivot like that. And one of the things Thank that you. <laughs> you're welcome. One of the things that I want to share with the members of our audience that may not have that kind of experience or knowledge to fall back on at this time in their career is that you can also open it up to the group. Totally. Yes. So if you encounter these kinds of challenges where the people that you're talking to, the person that you're talking to, um, expresses that they are, that they are finding an approach more difficult to, Uh, understand, or if they have a different or specific challenge, it's always okay to talk about it in that group and say, does anyone know how to address this? Or have you experienced this before? I would love to hear more about it. And that is a really beneficial way of engaging conversation, of facilitating trust within the group, and of also taking accountability that you know, you may not know everything and, totally. and you rely on those that do have the expertise to be able to share that, uh, in a safe environment. So anyways, that's just, you know, I, I just want to offer up that solution as well.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point, Allie. Yeah, for sure. Like you can always be like, wait, we're going off the rails. Can we all just sit down and like talk about this. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't just like you like turn around a 10 minute new presentation. So like <laughs> I'm going to give the others but listening to the podcast would- <laughs> a little room.
1: <laughs> what I would like to say to that though, is that it was good. It was good for me because, and, and I think so many of our podcast listeners are, um, you know, perfectionists or recovering perfectionists like us. And sometimes that desire for perfection um, blinds us. And sometimes we're like, but this is what I thought you cared about. And so we're just going to keep going full steam ahead. And I think for me, sometimes the whole point is what you're saying, like, you know, admitting, um, like being humble enough to say like, wait, this might not be right. This might not be what you care about. What do you care about? And and however you do that and however you can adjust after that, whether it's like, okay, cool. Well, I need like five days to now think about this or whether <laughs> it's, okay, I can pivot right now.
0: Either one is fine. That's absolutely right. And different situations call for uh, different reactions. So yeah, that's- Yeah, for sure. So, th- you know, there's one last thing I, I did want to bring up before we wrap up. Um, and- That is the difference between um, manipulation and navigation. And (laughs) (laughs) there's a thin line. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And what we're talking about in directional communication is really more so about navigation. So how do you think about the person that you or people that you are speaking to? How do you adjust to their needs? How do you continue to... Prioritize uh, your goals and make sure that you go in there with the intent of clear and honest communication and not just winning. Not just, yeah, coming out on top, being right, um, anything in that vein. Uh, I think that the intent of communication. When you go into conversations that can be difficult or uh, very detailed um, or that can be high stakes even, mm-hmm. um, you have to make sure that the intent is to continue the conversation, not just uh, promote your It should be communication and not just promotion. I love that.
1: Yes. It should be about um, getting to the root of the matter, you know, getting there together. Right. And in in, in doing that, hopefully you'll build trust.
0: And people know this is the thing. Gosh, yes. This is the thing that I cannot emphasize enough. You may think or you may be, in fact, smarter than everyone in the room. But I guarantee you there is someone, if not multiple people in there, that have high enough EQ to know that you think that way. There's nothing I like less than feeling
1: like I'm being manipulated or being talked down to, right? That's
0: absolutely right. And so if you can go in there with a clear and genuine intent of conversation, and, um, mutual interest, uh, you're going to be way more successful than any other approach you could take would allow you to be. Yeah. So true.
1: Okay. So Allie, um, before we wrap up, what are you learning about this week?
0: I'm really excited to share about the series of YouTube videos that I have been watching pretty Religiously for the last two weeks or so, and the uh, Delish contributor uh, June uh, does these great videos called Budget Eats, where mm. she gets a limited, and I'm talking like twenty, twenty-five dollars, maybe thirty dollars, to go out shopping for foodstuffs. And then she brings them back to her apartment, or like last week it was um, bringing them to a campsite and cooking uh, dinners every week or cooking a week's worth of food. Oh my gosh, this is great. Oh, it's so good. um, With the food that she bought. And some of the highlights of what I have watched uh, have been her calling her mom, uh, to make sure the lotus root that she bought wasn't actually rotten, but could be salvaged. Um, <laughs> also learning about the different parts of vegetables and fruits that can be used in ways that are unconventional. Um, and I have thought a lot about my food waste since watching her uh, and What I really want to share, though, is that she started a live stream, and her YouTube is June Like the Month. Hmm. And in the evenings, she turns on the live stream, and sometimes she'll cook. Sometimes she will uh, share a recipe. We've made dumplings with June. We have made oatmeal with June's partner, um Aww. we have watched her take care of her cat who has asthma. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we've also talked a lot about capitalism and unionizing and um sexuality and relationships and um how food and travel brings us together in a way that is so genuine. And so lovely. So June like the month. Also check out her Budget Eats videos on Delish. Uh, They are super entertaining and super creative. And um, yeah, just really great in general. Great. Wonderful. (laughs) So, Kara, while I am learning about um, the different ways to procure the prescriptions needed for asthmatic cats, um, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're learning this week?
1: Yes. Um, uh, this is not going to be a surprise to anyone. It involves Brene Brown. Um, I have been uh, listening to her podcast, Dare to Lead, which is on Spotify. And she had um, Priya Parker on, um, who's a really Really interesting woman. Uh, she wrote a book called *The Art of Gathering*, um, and in general discusses like meetings and what it means to come together to discuss and dissect and work, etc. Um, and and so she's a really fascinating person right now in general because uh, she has a lot to say about how we are coming back together after. Uh, the pandemic is ending, right? So she's got a, a, Priya Parker has two episodes and they're both uh, worth listening to. But the one that I am just like infatuated with this week um, is called Meeting Makeover in which uh, they actually sit down with Brene and her sister and talk about a meeting at Brene's company and why it is it is flawed like why is it going wrong right um, and I like I wish I could do this like this is like my this would be like my dream job to just get in there and be like, okay this is a mess let's talk about it right
0: <laughs> but don't you already kind of have that job
1: yeah I do I mean like I literally do this job <laughs>
0: um, I. just... <laughs>
1: It is, um, I guess it's just reinforcing that I like it. Um, They have this really honest conversation, though, in which Priya asks a lot of really good questions. She's not shy. Like, she's not giving Brene the star treatment, right? Like, she's digging into it and talking about the things that Brene and or her company or her sister are doing wrong. And her sister's like her chief of staff. And then um, also... uh, she doesn't pull any punches on the meeting itself. Like like they really get in there on dissecting the meeting and talking about how the name of the meeting is bad and how important naming is. To meetings, And they really get into talking about, like, what's the purpose of the meeting? Who should be leading the meeting? Do we need to have this meeting at all? What's it going to look like after the pandemic ends? Uh, And it's the kind of conversation that we should all, like, everybody's time is so valuable that we should be asking these kinds of questions about every meeting that we have. Like, what is this purpose? And how do I make it the most efficient and the most worth all of our time?
0: I am... I cannot wait to listen to this episode. Yeah. Like, great. I, I knew I <laughs> wanted to listen to it because you sent it to me. I'm pretty sure in like multiple formats, but um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I think about this all the time. And I, as yeah. you were speaking about these specific components and why it was so effective as a podcast episode as well, uh, I started to think about all of the meetings that I have that are recurring that I did not name as well as I could, that right. really could easily have agendas, uh, but yeah. don't. Yeah. for I know how to make an agenda. I don't, there's no reason for me to not. I make know. An we had a whole episode about on agendas. meetings already. making <laughs> I want to end this conversation by saying that when I initially learned about directional communication from Kara, it had such an incredible impact on my work in a very immediate way. And so if you are struggling or if you're contending even with some of these challenges that we have outlined in this uh, episode, I really, I really suggest that you take some notes, think about the questions that Kara has posed to us today, and run your challenges, situations, uh, relationships through those questions, and see if you really discover Something that could help you propel those conversations in the direction that you would like to see them go.
1: Awesome. I'm so glad that it made a difference for you, Allie.
0: It really did. And I texted you like the day after and I was like, hello, you have changed my life. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again.
1: But anyways,
0: so thank you again for, uh, thank you, Kara, again, for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you listeners for joining us in this conversation. We're so excited that we are back for season two and um, we're so happy um, that we get to chat and share all of this good stuff with you. Yes, and as always, be sure to
1: uh, let us know how you're using this information in your lives. Um, Shoot us an email um, or follow us on Instagram and send us a DM. We want to hear from you.
0: Hit up those DMs. Slide into our DMs.
1: Slide into our DMs. (laughs) Okay, bye. 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 Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of you will Think of Something. Just as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast are the personal thoughts and feelings of the hosts and do not reflect those of their affiliated workplaces or larger organizations. To find more resources from the show, visit ytos-podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at ytos.podcast. And please email us with feedback or with suggestions for future shows at ytos.podcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't worry, you'll think of something.